Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Alladhi hadana lihada Wa ma kunna linahtadiya Lawla an hadana Allah Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah Wahdahu la sharika lah له الحمد وله الملك يحيي ويميت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه وخليله أرسله الله للناس نذيرا وبشيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد رشد ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد ضل ضلالا بعيدا أوصيكم ونفسي أولا بتقوى الله وطاعته وأحذركم من عسيانه ومخالفة أمره أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وأحسن الهدي هدي محمد وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار يقول الله عز وجل وهو أصدق القائلين في كتابه الكريم قد خلت من قبلكم سنن فسيروا في الأرض فانظروا كيف كان عاقبة المكذبين هذا بيان للناس وهدى وموعظة للمتقين ولا تهنوا ولا تحزنوا وأنتم الأعلون إن كنتم مؤمنين إن يمسسكم قرح فقد مس القوم قرح مثله تلك وتلك الأيام نداولها بين الناس وليعلم وليعلم الله وليعلم الله الذين آمنوا ويتخذ منكم شهداء 
واللہ لا يحب الظالمین Brothers and sisters, committed Muslims. It is sometimes asked about how much protest against injustice is adequate. Or put in other words, how much protest is warranted before the ferocity of the tyrant or the oppressor comes back to impinge upon our security, our safety, and our well-being. Some Islamic scholarship in this area suggests that any kind of protest in the face of tyranny invites a greater fitna. But to answer this question in a more comprehensive way, let us return to these ayat that were just quoted out of Surah Ali Imran. They happen to be the 136th through the 140th ayat of that surah. In the past, here on the street, we have labored to describe ayat in the Quran where Allah Ta'ala makes a distinction between Christianity and imperialism on the one hand and between Judaism and Zionism on the other hand. In a sense, Allah Ta'ala is saying that were it not for imperialism and Zionism, the vast majority of ordinary Christians and Jews would have a chance of having a normal relationship with the final people of scripture, that is the Muslims. Most of the static and the noise about Islam and Muhammad and Allah that is coming from the mouths of so-called Christians and so-called Jews comes from those who have an ideology of Zionism and imperialism while at the same time having a lip service religion that is called Christianity and, Zion and Judaism. These ayat which were quoted from Surah Ali Imran which begin with قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ سُنَنْ فَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ These ayat were quoted or revealed in the context 
of Uhud. And they say that every social order, every state entity, every human aggregate, that in a motivated sense opposes Allah, rejects His command and counsel, is doomed to be destroyed under the weight of its own abuses. But nonetheless, there are those who make an argument that the secular and the God-denying cultures of the world are more modern, are more progressive than those who claim to adhere to Allah and His Prophet. And they go on to observe that when you compare, for instance, the United States of America with the United Arab Emirates, or if you compare the United Kingdom to Pakistan, or if you compare the Netherlands to Nigeria, that you will discover that those who have done away with God altogether are better off than those who claim to adhere to God and his, to His messengers. Such comparisons are misleading for many reasons. But the key reason is that humanity is subjected to two sets of laws. The first of these is the physical law. The law that explains the scientific observations of the material world. The second of these is the social law. The law that explains cumulative human history And the law that is concerned with scriptural guidance, especially insofar as the definition of the rise and fall of civilizations. And so insofar as the secular West is concerned, and the other God-denying cultures that it is leading, it has a very good understanding of the physical law. But its social theories have added up to nothing more than social chaos. Its social theories have been an unmitigated disaster. All of those in the world, past and present, who accumulate power and then abuse that power to colonize and invade the lands and resources of other peoples. They are subjected to the same social law that destroyed civilizations in the past. No amount of technology and no amount of advanced science 
is going to contravene that social law or annul that social law. The early Muslims through the agency of their Prophet and the ayat that were coming from on high were guided through these lessons. When the Muslims lost at the engagement at Uhud, the mushriks were quick to say that if Muhammad was a real prophet that he would not have lost at Uhud. But what they and others fail to understand that whether you are a prophet or an ordinary human being that these social laws apply to you nonetheless. And so if you disobeyed your prophet and you contravene the command of Allah, then you have to be willing to live with those consequences. These early Muslims may have thought that victory was theirs because of who they were as opposed to what they did. They may have thought that verbal commitments are enough and that they won't be tested in the field of action. And in this regard, Allah's Prophet was known to have said, مَنْ أَبْطَأَ بِهِ عَمَلُهُ لَمْ يُسْرِعْ بِهِ نَسَبُهُ That whoever is falling behind in the discharge of his responsibilities, his particular affiliation is not going to expedite that. So what this means is that just because you're a Muslim, doesn't mean all of a sudden that the, the social laws that apply to everybody else are going to change. If you don't know how to do things, you're going to suffer the consequences. And by the same token, if your enemy does know how to do things, then you similarly are going to suffer the consequences. But what needs to be kept in mind here, and this is the important point, is that the Muslims lost at Uhud. They lost because they disobeyed their Prophet. They lost because they turned their back on the enemy. They lost because they went to battle hoping for riches instead of hoping for Allah's favor. But even though they lost, they scared the living daylights out of the mushriks. And this is what Allah Ta'ala is telling us in these ayat. That when you were afflicted with misfortune, when you were afflicted with an emotional and a psychological setback, then know that the enemy was simultaneously inflicted with the same level of psychological and emotional setback.
In fact, the mushriks. were so scared even though the Muslims lost at Uhud the Muslims were so scared that it didn't take them but two more years to come back with an overwhelming force of 10,000 soldiers to surround Medina and to try to finish off this Islamic pulse once and for all and they laid siege to the city for three and a half weeks but the, in the end, they did not su succeed. This notion of a small group of people organizing to not only protest, but to develop a momentum against societal injustice is enough to scare the oppressor, is enough to scare the oppressor or the tyrant into becoming unhinged. And there are more recent examples where an organized effort against injustice, just the threat of such an effort was enough to cause the oppressor to feel the fear that he is going to lose his advantage. Just the threat of people organizing was enough And so on this occasion today, I'll give a recent example of just such an incident. That example comes from the history of this country. There's a name that's not going to mean much to a lot of people here. It ought to. It may mean something to some people, but to most of us, I think it'll mean, it'll mean almost nothing. That name is Gabriel Prosser. This was an enslaved blacksmith right here in Virginia. And he planned a major slave rebellion in Richmond, not far from here, right around the year 1800. It is said that he was planning and training people for this slave rebellion for the better part of two years. But right before he was ready to launch the rebellion, He was betrayed by some informants and the rebellion was suppressed even before it was initiated. It is said that the people who betrayed him were other slaves who wanted the bounty that was placed on Gabriel Prosser's head. But in the end, even though they turned him in, they never got the bounty. But even though there were no white people who were killed, and even though Gabriel Prosser and the 25 people who were with him 
were captured and hanged. The Virginia State Assembly of that day, in addition to many other state assemblies in the South where they kept slaves, passed legislation to restrict the movements of free African Americans. And in addition to that, they passed legislation to forbid any African American from attaining any kind of education or from, from assembling together with other African Americans. Once again, keep in mind that this slave rebellion was suppressed even before it was initiated. At the time, the governor of Virginia was a one James Monroe. He later went on to become the president of the United States. He's known famously for the Monroe Doctrine. The hegemonic doctrine over all of the Western Hemisphere. At the time, he was the governor of Virginia. And in order to deal with a potential slave rebellion, he ordered the national militia or the state militia into the streets with the result that African Americans were indiscriminately killed or lynched all over Virginia. And not only all over Virginia, African Americans were killed or lynched all over the South. And the white establishment and control became so scared that the aspects of this rebellion would be would become viral or would become infectious that all plantation owners in the south gathered up all their slaves and they threatened them with bodily injury and murder if they ever contemplated engaging or becoming part of another slave rebellion Another thing that doesn't make it into most history books is that there were some white participants in this slave rebellion. But before the case went to trial that ultimately ended up in the hanging of Gabriel Prosser and 25 of the people that were with him, before this case went to trial, this evidence that there were also white co-conspirators in the rebellion was suppressed. And the reason that this evidence was suppressed is because James Monroe felt that the presidential bid of Thomas Jefferson, a good friend of his, would be compromised. Because at the time, the majority of Thomas Jefferson's support came from white plantation owners. That means, when you hear a plantation owner, what you, what you ought to be listening to is the fact that plantations had slaves. And so when you hear a plantation owner, what you ought to understand is slave owner. And so the majority of Thomas Jefferson's support for the presidency of the United States 
came from white slave owners. And for that reason, they suppressed this evidence that there were white people involved in this slave rebellion because they thought that if this information was to come out, that he may not become president. And so even back then, in the heady days of the American Revolution and uh, the new democracy and uh, the new way for the world and all of that, political expediency took precedence over principle. And that sowed the seeds for the republic that we have today. And so the point, once again, that even though there was a slave rebellion and that this slave rebellion was suppressed before it was even launched, it was enough to cause the oppressor to fear the loss of all of his advantages. And so now we go back to the original question that we asked at the beginning of this talk. How much protest against injustice is necessary? How much is warranted? How much is enough? And so let us listen to the answer of a great abolitionist. by the name of Frederick Douglass. And brothers and sisters, listen carefully to what he said. <coughs> Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did and it never will. Find out just what any people will quietly submit to and you have found the exact measure of injustice and wrong which will be imposed on them. And these will continue until they are resisted with either words or blows or with both. Once again, from the mouth of Frederick Douglass, Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did and it never will. Find out just what any people will quietly submit to and you have found the exact measure of injustice and wrong which will be imposed on them. And these will continue until they are resisted with either words or blows or with both. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, you are only going to have the liberty that you are willing to fight for. You are only going to have the liberty that you are willing to die for. I wish it didn't have to come to that. But in the world that we are living in today, the only principles that appear to be worth having are the ones that you are willing to put your life on the line for.
And if you're willing to put your life on the line, then know that Allah Ta'ala is behind you. Alhamdulillah Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah The Islamic revolution in Iran emerged some 30 years ago within the flame of anguish and pain. Our brothers of that land sacrificed hundreds of thousands of shuhada. They braved chemical weapons. They braved all manner of conventional weapons. But once again, in this context, what we need to understand that as far as the world is concerned, that almost insignificant Islamic pulse sent shock waves across the entire spectrum of tyranny and oppression in the world. And what we are seeing in Syria today is a proxy war that is being fought against that Islamic pulse. To prevent that pulse from becoming viral and from becoming infectious. And this proxy war is being played out in executive offices all across the world. And the executive office right here on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is not immune. There's a tug of war going on in the Oval Office between the American Firsters and the Israel Firsters. And it appears that the Israel Firsters are winning. If there was ever a scenario that was better proof of this ayah, then I don't know what it is. Mind you, both the America Firsters and the Israel Firsters are dangerous for the Muslims. But one is more dangerous than the other. And it confirms Allah's ayat in the Quran. You will find that the most inveterate enemies to those who are securely committed to Allah 
are the Zionists and the imperialists. But the Zionists come first. The America Firsters, they've had 2,000 years of experience with this group. And still they haven't learned their lesson. After 2,000 years of experience, they still don't understand that when it comes to the question of Israel, the tribe always closes ranks. We have been given this information and we are required to disseminate this information to all who would hear and listen. This group has no respect for human life and Muslim life in particular. To them, Muslim life is nothing but a ledger entry. Muslims are just odds in their sick game of balance of power and balance of forces. But if there was ever a group on earth that could break the stranglehold of this power, Then it was the group that was inspired by Muhammad alayhi wa alihi salatu And once again we quote Allah's ayat. قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ سُنَنْ فَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَانْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُكَذِّبِينَ هَذَا بَيَانٌ لِلنَّاسِ وَهُدًا وَمَوْعِظَةٌ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ وَلَا تَهِنُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا وَأَنْتُمُ الْأَعْلَوْنَ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ اللهم أرنا الحق حقاً ورزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلاً ورزقنا اجتنابه اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك قريب سميع مجيب الدعوات اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ حديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر
ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم عباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة